on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. You got your entire life in front of you. You're going to be you're going to be special. Treat every day as if it were your last. And for goodness sakes, um, when you look at this day being your last, make sure you've done everything you want to do and that you did it right. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. I'm your host. Today, I've got Jerry Jean on the King stage. My brother, how we doing? Excellent. Excellent. How about yourself? I'm doing well. It's Monday morning. Um, as you can expect, uh, we're, fr- we're fired up, right? Like, what what other way can you be on a Monday morning, right? <laughs> sure, sure. Especially after the weekend I told you we had. Uh, that's kind of what I was hinting at. I mean, uh, for the listener, they didn't get to hear our, our pre-story there, our pre, uh, pre-few moments, but you got to get into some, uh, some hiking this weekend, which is leaving you uh, in the recovery mode, is what you said, right? <laughs> yes, physically, mentally, everything, <laughs> all the above. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Jerry, what kind of business do you have, brother? We do office technology, Chaz. And 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 what I mean by that is we do anything from document creation to conversion and then and then the ultimate destruction of that document. Uh, more specifically, we do copier printers, we do document management software. Love it. We provide Microsoft solutions for those who aren't real versed with Microsoft products. Yeah. We also have a scanning bureau here in which we convert and scan clients' doodles and oodles and boxes of documents. Uh-huh. We make them look nice and pretty on a little thumb drive or out, up in the cloud. Yep. And we get rid of all that garbage that they have in their basements of their buildings or or precious real estate that they're occupying with those boxes. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course... Um, on an ongoing basis, uh, there's there's laminate bins in people's offices. Those are ours, and we go in and we collect that information, and we destruct that and certify that it's been destructed, and nobody's hands are on it, yep. so that it's you know nice and safe and sound. Yes. <clears throat> what I what I heard you say is that you're helping me print all my stuff, then you're helping me scan all my stuff, you're helping me organize it in the cloud. And then you're going to destroy it for me. You're literally top to bottom, everything that has to do with paper, important. And whether you want to keep the paper or not, you got me covered. <laughs> yes. Yes. For the old circle group, it's almost like a Seinfeld show. It takes yeah. a full circle. <laughs> well, and, and then, and then you sell me the printer that gets me more paper and it right. keeps the whole cycle keeping going, which, right. you know, uh, that's a great business model. But at the same time too, it's obviously helping a lot of people. We can't, we can't get rid of paper completely. There's, there's some important stuff that we <laughs> That we got to have written down sometimes. So um, uh, you're providing solutions on both ends, which is which is a great closed loop for you guys. Yeah, and you're you're a millennial. Uh, my kids are millennials. I've got a daughter who's a teacher, and I asked her a very scary question. I said, "Hey, how how much longer do I have a job, Lindsay?" Sure. <laughs> and she goes, "Dad, I don't know about the people below me or above me, but I print the heck out of stuff still at our school." Yeah, so that made me feel good. Yeah, I think I think the runway um, is is uh, you know maybe longer than anticipated, but at the same time too, you're you're extending it out by creating you know virtual solutions, and so I, th- I think every business has to be thinking that way, right? Like especially, I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, the the AI tool that just came out about a month ago, but it's going to disrupt a lot of industries. AI in general is going. I mean, so we all have to be constantly thinking about. Um, what is the next iteration um, of, of what we're doing? Because if we don't, then then that's then we're dead anyway. It doesn't really matter if we're in paper or if we're currently in technology. You know what I mean? Yep. Got to got to keep it going. Well, my question for you, Jerry, at the top of the top of the show here is always the same. 
you're you're um second generation um about to pass on to the third generation and and so you've got a unique story but before we get into the details of maybe how the family got into the business but i want to know for you personally you've been doing this for a minute like why why have you done it why at this level of success are you still doing it like what's the what's the burning thing inside of you well I will, I will tell you this. I did not roll out of bed wanting to be a copier sales guy back in <laughs> 85. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and the ultimate answer to that, that question is, you know, what keeps me going with this, what, you know, I'll tell you about my humble beginnings in a minute, but what keeps me going is, you know, God's plan. And that was to get married, have a family, take care of that family, no matter how you can. And in this case, this career, this profession, this life has done that for me. Um, The clients are wonderful. You know, we're like family here. Yeah. Um, We've got, we've got employees. There's 36 employees here. Wow. And we've had, you know, a third of those employees have been with us for 20 years or longer. And a couple, one, one or two of them longer than I've been here. Yeah. We had another guy um, who started with Waltz in 39 and we, he was on our payroll until three years ago. He was 90, 97. Wow. So it's just been a wonderful life here and uh, the culture's great. We've got a good culture set that we hang on our hallway wall and we live and abide by them. And if yeah. we don't, then we don't work here any longer. Yeah. yeah. So, as simple as that is, that's so profound. It is. It is. And, uh, you know, again, I, you know, people question, well, how do you, how are you happy? Well, what do you mean by that? You know, right. and another daughter of mine, our youngest child, um, she always spoke about joy. And joy is the form of happiness, hard work, accomplishment. And so, and so the word I like to use around here is we enjoy ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. We employ the joy. (laughs) That's so good, man. I I really want the listener. uh, This is again, such a simple, uh, and like you said, just, you guys kind of just live by these things at this point. Um, But it's so important that, and there's this, there's this, uh, happiness movement. I would even say of like, do what makes your heart happy, you know, like just follow your heart. And it doesn't mean that those, necess- those things aren't, aren't good. Um, I'm not, you know, refuting those things necessarily, but I'm agreeing with you that joy can be found in anything. Joy can be found in, in the journey, the process, you know, of, of building something for your family. And, and there's, tough times in those moments. There's, I'm sure that that guy, 90 years old who started back in 1939, I'm sure that there were some tough moments for him inside of Waltz, but yet it was just part of the journey. There was joy found in those things, even in those, those, um, those sticky moments. And I think every entrepreneur realizes that like they're listening right now going, yeah, like even though it's maybe been hard, well, if you're an entrepreneur, it, it probably, it should be (laughs) hard. It's probably been hard. Let's just be honest. Okay. So did I find joy in it? Now, now it's like a control thing. Like I now have control over the situation, good, bad, and different. I can still find the joy no matter what. What would you say to the person listening who's kind of contemplating what we're talking about right now? Take it one day at a time and, and put your feet forward and make a commitment. Yeah. And be careful with, with the, the narcissistic piece of your life, which could mean that you can go off in a different direction because of you. Yeah. But then you leave some loved ones in the dust. It's got to be careful with that. Yeah. And if you good. take that mentality that um, you're not just in this for yourself, you're in this for a lot of people. Uh, with a little bit of faith, you're gonna you're gonna do the right thing. Yeah, love that. Love that. Okay, let's go into your story a little bit. I mean, obviously, um, there's a lot of history here with the company. Give us give mm. us a couple minutes of the the backdrop, how your family got involved, and inevitably how you got involved. So, uh, our father, Jim Jean, was an Underwood typewriter sales rep. Okay. And he actually was responsible for, he worked for the Corporation of Underwood and 
Underwood was an old legacy typewriter company back then. Okay. And uh, what what year are we talking about here? Fifties. Uh, okay. All right. And so um, one of his clients was Waltz Typewriter and Editing Machine Company. And Frank Waltz originated the company back in 1892. Uh, he was a typewriter repair guy. And he also kind of sold typewriters, used typewriters on the side as well. Yeah. Um, he actually invented the triple typewriter, which was a an industry legacy. In particular, that comes to my mind, the shoe industry, they all spoke with each other across the country. And they acquired this triple typewriter from Waltz Typewriter and Anning Company back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And it would literally, when you type on it, it would type three three of the same thing okay. so that when the secretary would take the invoice and put it together, she would have three of them instead of having to type three of them out. Right. Of course, back then there was no, no such thing as a copier or a printer. Yeah. yeah. So um, Frank Waltz eventually passed. His daughters took over the company and they then uh, attempted to progress and, and I'm not sure how that story really went as far as their success or lack of. I just know that, uh, that my father approached them and said, hey, I, I'd love to buy this company. I am sick of my, my boss at Underwood. <laughs> uh, I'm ready to make the next venture. Yeah. And so he went to a bank back then. Who knows what the name of that bank? Probably First National or yeah. some old icon name. Attempted to get the loan. Um, couldn't, it didn't happen. Okay. He went to some friends and, and said, okay, help me buy this building in downtown Cincinnati. Yeah. I'm going to go back to the bank and say, okay, now I have, I mean business here and I've got collateral. Yeah. And so he did and it worked. And that was in 1961. And then from there, um, <clears throat> as the legacy went, the, the first two of the five brothers came into the business selling typewriters. Yeah. And, uh, and then if we fast forward to, to myself, um, you know, I was, I was one of those problem childs, you know, being <laughs> one of nine siblings Yeah. towards the yeah. end, uh, towards the end of the pack, I tend to have not gotten as much attention as a young child would like to have. Sure. And so I began to get into mischief. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as um, the story goes, right? Yeah, as the story goes. And I'm sure we can all relate to that as far as the attention and the mischief. But sure. you know, at some point, I had to start making a decision on what I'm going to do with my life. And yeah. um, it, it was it was a tough adolescence for me. It really was. I suffered from a little bit of depression. Um, and and luckily, I had I had good family with me. I had you know, my two big sisters that really understood what I was going through and, and they yeah. nurtured me through that. Um, ultimately, you know, having rebuilt a couple of vehicles back then, took them straight, straight down the bare metal, repainted them myself. I had that love for vehicles and I thought, you know, <clears throat> my future would be with cars, working with my hands, me yeah. mechanic or what have you. Yeah. Um, and as fate would have it, my dad was like, you're, you're not going to make any money doing that. Um, you need to set your sights higher, you know, having been what he had been through. Yeah. Um, wow, he what a gift. very, you know, he wanted me to succeed. Yeah. So he says, you know what, go to Waltz, start out as a calculator technician. Yeah. They <laughs> were as big as typewriters. They were mechanical back then. And, uh, and he said, you know, you're good with your hands, start with that. And then from there, maybe you can grow into the leadership of the company. Yeah. Well, I got there, lasted two months. Uh, I got fired. I mean, I got laid off. <laughs> um, my service manager and I were, were probably not seeing eye to eye. We didn't have a lot in common. And, and it, was, it was a tough, scary moment for me because here I just got let go. Yeah. from my family's company and I'm not yeah. sure why and so I came home and um you know it was, it was a very tough moment for me my sister Julie 
she talked me into, you know, get the heck out of here, get, get rid of all of your influences and bad habits. And yeah, I'm come down to school with me to Eastern Kentucky university. Yeah. And so I spent four years there. It was the best four years of my life. It was a slice of heaven for me. I yeah. still go back to those homecomings, remembering the beautiful, beautiful times. And, yeah. um, but my goal was to come back and come back with a vengeance. I was going to say, you had a little chip company, on your shoulder at this point. Come back into this company and make a difference. And maybe ultimately someday run the company. And if not, just, you know, contribute to it in, a, in such a way that I'm going to help it grow. Yeah. And so I, I did so. I was a copier sales rep for 20-something years before I, you know, got the official title of right. vice president and president. Yeah. And so here we are. And it's just been a beautiful ride. It really has. Wow. The <clears throat> vulnerability that you have of being able to share uh, basically from not, not just the bottom to the top, but bottom being let go <laughs> to circling back around to the top um, is an incredible story. I think that the the fortitude or the chip on your shoulder coming back with a vengeance like you talked about is what every entrepreneur can relate to, whether whether we had mischief in our story or whether we had a dad that uh, – you know, called us to a bigger, a bigger solution or not. Um, I think we all have that, that, that thing inside of us at some point that says, all right, dude, you either figure it out or, or you don't. So that's such a cool opportunity that you had, but then obviously it wasn't just handed to you. It, it you had to, you had to actually go, go get it done, which, um, which is pretty cool. Cause not a lot of people realize that a lot of second generation, uh, business owners, it's not just necessarily, Hey, here are the keys to the kingdom. Um, I've interviewed several second and even third generation um, business owners, and it's they oftentimes are put through the ringer, uh, very similar to what you just described. So I just uh, I commend you for your for your story there. What do you think What was like one personality trait? You kind of mentioned maybe like a, a, a younger you um, that maybe wasn't like you now. What was one personality trait that you think that maybe kept you from being successful or maybe unexpectedly kept you? Are you referring to back then? In that yeah, moment? just in general, maybe something that you had, or maybe just in general to people. Like, you know, we all have those moments or those things that we do that looking back, we're like, <laughs> that kept me from success longer than I realized, but now I can identify it. What, what would that trait or maybe characteristic be? Well, I told you I was humble, but I could give you a funny <laughs> answer here. I, <laughs> I'm a fighter. I don't know. You, probably the biggest answer to that question or the best answer to that question would be that um, I take things, took things personal back then, ah. you know, and, and I still take things personal today. Sure. And when I do, I shut down and I get quiet and I withdraw and I have to, I have to reset myself and get through that somehow. But that's probably the, yeah. my biggest weakness. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if I love what you said, even just the progressional, like awareness of it still happens today. You just know how to respond to it differently. Um, and so I, I, I was, that's huge encouragement for the listener if they share that, but, but any trait, um, along the way that you, that you recognize is maybe something that you don't want to have anymore. First step is recognizing it. So, um, that's, that's incredible. What, what have you done in those moments now? Like today, if something happened to you that kind of rubbed you the wrong way, how, how do you go about handling that now maybe versus maybe if you would have, you know, like you said, responded in a way where you shut down, kind of had to take a day or two or a week to recharge or reset. How do you do it now? You know, the, uh, all the scars I have from, from dealing with all that, you know, I've, I've become a little hardened to it. So I, I really just attempt to shrug that off. But, but I also empathize with the the one that, may have directed that, you know, that negativity to me yeah. and say to myself, no, what, if I put myself in their shoes, what made them do that or say that? Yeah. And if I can do that successfully, then I can move on from it. And if I can't put my finger on it, um, you know, then I go, go to my life partner of 38 years and say, Hey, what help me out here yeah. or a fellow employee here and say, you know, what, what do you think about this? 
Yeah. I may not get real specific. Yeah. Depending on who I'm talking to. Sure. But, but those things can give you some, some, uh, some boundaries um, and some, some additional uh, outside perspective. What let like the opposite of that. What do you think a trait that you've had that has led you to success that you would never get rid of that, that you can identify in yourself? Gosh, I think, um, I think pretty much the component, the same thing as the components of, of really attempting to understand everybody around me and to respect that. Yeah. And, and to understand that and, and, you know, getting back to the core of my job here over the past, um, for about 20 years of my 35 is really understanding these clients and, and trying to figure out what, what do they want from us? Yeah. You know, and, and at the end of the day, um, if I figure them out and, and I approach them and treat the relationship as such, I've got them for life. Right. Yeah, no, it's such a, um, it's a true statement. It's not a, an old way of thinking at all. Um, and so the reason why I'm, I'm hitting on that is because we, we might have younger, <clears throat> excuse me, listeners right now who are more worried about getting the next new client. And I'm, I'm all about new clients. Like you got to fill the pipeline. You got to keep the business growing. But what you just said is super impactful. And what keeps a business around from 1892 to 2023 and beyond is um, finding out how you can serve the best, doing what you say you're going to do, and and those people will stay around forever, uh, which is why a business is successful. Ultimately, it's not just about the machine to go get a new client. So I, I really appreciate that. Um, let's let's go into a, a good and bad decision here. Um, we talk a lot about decision making, thought process, mindset on this show. Looking back, especially maybe in those first couple of years of your involvement, um, maybe kind of trying to relate to maybe a, a you know your first couple of years into business, what was a good decision that you've made along the way where you can just go back and go, this one decision, I can I can relate it to a lot of success that we've had. What was that? Mm, a good decision. Um, you know, we we were when I first joined the company. And, I, and I'm assuming you're talking business-wise more than anything. Yeah, but I mean, yes, I'd love a business one. But if you've got something else that's kind of uh, coming to your brain, we'd love to hear that one as well. If it's more <laughs> personal. Yeah. Okay. Um, when we, when I first, when I came back on to Waltz um, back in the late 80s, we were in this shit shack, excuse my expression. <laughs> um of a facility and then we had a location downtown cincinnati as well which was kind of like our retail okay. you know and, and really for all intents and purposes when i began at waltz there was no retail you know people didn't walk in off the street to buy copiers and typewriters sure um it was more about the commercial aspect and and reaching out to them yeah so with that being said um we you know one of my goals one of my visions uh, with the brothers was to relocate into a really nice classy facility, right? Not only for the showability to the clients, but also for our employees. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that was a tough decision. I think back then, you know, you know the numbers probably don't mean a whole lot, but in my case, I will tell you, I think we were spending two grand a month on these two locations uh landlord happened to be somebody we knew pretty well our father <laughs> this is retirement money but yeah then, exactly <laughs> um we made the tough decision to relocate not only into a new facility but into you know we were in cincinnati we were in ohio we moved over to kentucky northern kentucky and that river is a pretty big river for some people and so our father was like don't do it you're gonna lose half of your Cincinnati clientele. Um, so that was a good decision for us. It turned out, I mean, we hit the ground running. We leaped into uh, a very, very expensive building, very nice building. And that was back in 97. Okay. So I was, I was working for the company. I was, um, my tenure at that point was 10 or 12 years. Um, and, and that's really 
you know, it's really when Waltz kind of took off, to be honest with you. And I'm not saying the building did it, but yeah. you got to make those first steps and, and you got to take those risks. Yeah. It's, it's difficult. It's scary, but we did it. And uh, we're still in this building today. We're maxed out, but we're making it work. And the building's paid off. We're debt free, debt free. And um, wow. uh, it's a good feeling. Yeah, just to highlight some of these, I mean, you just you just said a bunch. Like, I don't know if the listener caught it all. Um, you said that before you were even really fully in charge, um, your father gave you this like, hey, go make a choice. So I, I thought I, that's profound, just even in itself, that uh, he would want you to succeed, even though he was telling you don't do it. He gave you space to go do it, which is incredible. Like, I just, I hope that me as a father, as a successful business owner, when my children are old enough to start making decisions like that, even if I disagree with them, I hope that I can stand like that and give them space to be able to fail. And maybe it doesn't, maybe it, it kicks off. So that, I just thought that was just so profound. Number two is, yeah, you did it. You said, you know what? No, we, we think this is a good idea. We stuck behind it. We put our neck on the line. I think a lot of times, putting your neck on the line, especially with a building or a, you know, you buy a business or you, you, you put money and effort into something and you're like, no, I'm like, I'm committed to this thing. Now I have to go do it. It's a huge perspective, but then for you guys to actually like 30 years later, buildings paid off, the business has exploded, uh, you know, beyond your, your capacity, even there at that building, like what a testament for a guy who maybe got started in the last five or 10 years and go, wow, like I just got to keep my head down, keep making good decisions just like that one where even though it feels scary in the moment i press forward anyway and one of the things just kind of as a side you, you you mentioned it it's it's that standard for the employees right like you you set a new standard for waltz new building a new atmosphere a new culture a new way of doing things and not that maybe the old was bad it just it's new it's fresh it's it's exciting and um whether you're in business i've got Folks in my mastermind group that they buy new equipment and that gets employees excited or a new office building or, you know, when, when we do events with my teams, it's like, I try to take good care of them and try not to pinch pennies on certain things where, again, it's like a new building where it's like, I'm the one taking the risk, but it's, it's unto them. So that way, as a unit, we, we go further than maybe we would if I had just, you know, kind of skimped out on it. And so um, what would you like to add? I mean, I, I try to summarize that, but just in a couple of sentences there, you dropped some huge nuggets on us. <laughs> well, I um, just kind of delving off to the, to the other part of that question. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the great decision I made, you know, back when, when I was still going to college, um, you know, another fear that I had, I don't know about you and other people, but I didn't know who my life partner was going to be. And it was very scary for me. And again, big sis tried to help out with that. And, um, she introduced me to a few of her acquaintances and yeah. uh, none of them, none of them appealed to me. Uh, ultimately speaking, you know, I worked at a pizza place um, during the summers and, and part-time. Yeah. Uh, that was my only, only other place of employment, <laughs> but um, it just so had it that that's where I met the, the love of my life. And wow. Um, you know, to, to, to get that done and to make that decision and to begin that life back when I did all my other buddies were still, they didn't even have, they didn't have anybody serious yet. And here I am getting married and having children. It was a huge, huge leap of faith in that area as well, but yeah. it turned out to be a great decision. So here did we are. Did you find those things were running simultaneous, you know, like you making what you say a good decision, which was scary and maybe earlier than some of your friends, at the same time over here, you're making kind of business decisions and moves like the support that you had from your family that you're building, even though it was scary, did that play into the business or was it both, was it vice it's, versa? You know, my brother, Joe, who was my boss um, for many years, uh, you know, he said it best. He said, you know, the business and, and the personal relate so much to each other and you've got to trade off with each other and you've got to intertwine those two and some of the philosophies about business pertain to personal life and some mm -hmm. personal life pertains to business and you got to create that equal balance so yes it was uh you know all of that came came together at once 
I, I was watching this old house. I know it's still running. So I know, you know, that show, yeah. you being half my age, but <laughs> this old house intrigued me. And I said, you know what? I've got a brother who's a carpenter and a brother who frames houses in Texas. Yeah. I want to build my own house. So I literally stumbled out of college. The Dean said I was a crappy student. And the Dean said, <laughs> you cannot take, you're not going to be able to graduate. Yeah. I said, but sir, I've got, I'm engaged to be married in October. I've got a house that's being framed as we speak. And I've got this new job I'm starting. I'm going to graduate. Yeah. And he just shook his head at me. And so I snuck and took a, um, this was my girlfriend's now wife's um, idea. She said, why don't you take a correspondence course? She'll never know about it. Yeah. And so the 18 hours that I was allowed taking, then the extra three-hour course for correspondence, she took that class for me. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> it was a real estate course. And there's an irony to that too, because she became a real estate agent. But that's awesome. Anyway, all that stuff's coming to a head, and you want to talk about pressure, right? Um, and there were some problems building the house too. You know, we okay. were our own contractor. The bank, the bank said no two or three times as well, and I, oh, I didn't yeah. take that for an answer. And, yeah. With the spiritual help of my father, we we talked the bank into that and we made it through. So yeah, all that stuff was going on at once. And I look back at it and think, you know, it was kind of like that bike ride that I took uh, down to Butler State Park in Kentucky, which was a 60 mile bike ride wow. on spring break when I was 14 years old. People yeah. are like, what are you doing? Right. On a backpack, on a crappy 10 speed with your three other buddies yeah. on spring break you're gonna ride down highway 42 on bikes like that with backpacks yeah you are nuts but the experience that i got from that made me who i am today and i oh, yeah. the same way with building that house man that put a few wrinkles on my head yeah, um, yeah. my wife and i really that was a big challenge for us i think that the the wisdom that you're referring to of once you've gone through it, right? Even if it was difficult, even if there were challenges, even if people thought you were crazy, um, it makes us who we are. And of course, right. It makes us who we are, but as entrepreneurs, we can look back and go, Oh no, no, no. You don't realize like, these are the, these are the exact components of success. And, um, I think we all relate to that a little bit, you know, that those, those couple of moments where we kind of just did our own thing. Uh, everybody thought we were a little crazy. We said, that's all right. I'm going to go do it anyway. Um, all the things going on all at once, all the pressure, you know, I can relate to that. And I think that, um, you've given, you've given incredible encouragement actually, um, for, like I said, this is a couple times now, but you know, for, for a guy that's, you know, listening that hasn't been in business as long as you, um, and just wondering if it's ever gonna, you know, <laughs> be worth it. Um, what I'm hearing is a resounding, yes, just keep, keep going, buddy. And so um, I just want to, uh, you know, echo that for the listener. Um, let's flip the script, though, Jerry. I want to know of a bad decision because, like you said, there were some tough moments. So I want to know of something that didn't go well at all that you can share with us. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. I've made several of those. Um, yeah. And I don't know if I want to share it with you. So <laughs> what I will say is, you know, if you... I mean, it's a cliche, but if you learn all those bad decisions and, and adversity that one goes through in life, just learn from them. Yeah. And you can go, go one way or another. You can either dwell on it and, right. you know, stay in a cesspool with that stuff or you learn from it. So, yeah, that's about yeah. all I got on that one. Yeah, that's okay. Um, practically inside the business, give us something, you know, marketing or team building culture. You guys have been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. Give us something from a, a hundred, you know, thousand point view. Um, you know, someone that's got just a different perspective on, on something that just didn't like practically work. You know, you tried to do, you tried to bring in something. I don't know. I, I'm just trying to fill the brain with something, but um, a marketing campaign that didn't work for you, just anything practical that we can take aside and go, mm, that's interesting. Maybe that, maybe that would apply for me as well. We made, um, we've made three acquisitions in my career here. Okay. Um, one of them was a pretty big one. And, um, 
it was it turned out to be a very nice tax shelter for us for 15 years yeah but it's a laugh at this point yeah tax shelter. <laughs> hey, i was like I, I agree with that so i'm i'm like intrigued <laughs> well it was in a bad way we you know we said to ourselves okay we've been in typewriters now copiers copiers we were very successful with okay Star, that's our core let's delve off into the computer it world uh, and this was back in the mid 90s and okay. that was when, you know it stuff computers none of that stuff really really worked like a in a box and contained it was mm-hmm. a lot of outside factors involved mm-hmm. and but we treated we treated that product and service like it was a box and like it was going to have a response time um you know it was going to do the same things that we did with the copier and and how we got successful with that now let's just these customers trust us let's bring them under our roof on that side as well right so we acquired uh a neighboring computer company didn't do our homework as well as we should have um Back then, I don't think, I don't know if there was, there weren't Google reviews. It was back in the mid nineties and there was really no way of us, um, knowing what we were getting there. Yeah. Couple that with, um, our false notion of that industry being just like ours. Right. It was completely wrong at the time. Yeah. And so we failed, we failed miserably with some clients and we let them down and we had a couple of clients that, you know, they went completely down and you know when you're relying on your computers and your software to run your business yeah that's not a good thing so yeah we we made it through that in those early years and and we became pretty good at what we were doing right but the problem was um you know that industry was a tough one to make money in yeah and so when you're losing 20 grand a month at what point do you decide enough's enough right i think for us it was at the two million mark <laughs> All right, we lost two million dollars on this company in the last twelve yeah. years. It's time to time to to suck our pride up and say, you know what? Let's dust ourselves off. Uh, yeah. Let's regroup, and we'll come back to this um, yeah. down the road. And we're thinking about uh, re-entering the business now. Now that it's it's matured and sure. technology yeah. is completely different. Yeah, but that was definitely a bad decision on our part. Well, and like you said, tax shelter uh, from a from a negative perspective <laughs> of not making money. Um, yeah, I can see that. Um, I think the wisdom, though, is what you're just sharing. It, like, first off, acquisitions can be important. Uh, they can help a business. They can be very strategic. And um, and so that that wasn't necessarily your shy away. It was the due diligence. It was the inside things that you guys didn't didn't control or or didn't pay close enough attention to. And then the second piece was just sunk costs. Like, man, ego gets us like a hold of those sunk costs and just keep working it out. Just keep working it out. Just keep working it out. And at some point we got to just, we got to take it out back and, and let it die. (laughs) That's, that's the tough part of owning a business. You've got to make tough decisions and you you attempt for it not to, to affect any individuals around you, but it could Now I'm so curious in that moment when you decided, okay, enough's enough. We're drawing a line. This is what it is. We're done. What happened to the main business? Did it, did it, did it start to grow at that point because of that decision? You know, it's funny. You funny. You asked that question because at first we thought, well, we just, we just uh, got a little bit of a, somebody rose to check for the remaining business that we had on the computer side. Uh, and they took on all those employees and we took care of those guys. Um, but the cash flow was still struggling a little bit and we, we were scratching our heads on that. So yeah. we thought once we unloaded that, that big piece of our cash flow that all of a sudden now the you know, the bank, the bank account's going to start, uh, going up and it really didn't happen. So that, you know, I don't focus hundred percent on that side of the business. Uh, brother, Josh, CFO of the company. Right. Vice president now he's he handled that and still does, but um, eventually it did though. Jay, as to answer your question, we we've got our focus back on the core. Yeah, um, I was you know selling million, close to a million dollars a year worth of hardware. 
I was yeah. completely focused on that. And, uh, and, and we had, you know, had a couple other few really good sales reps working for us. So yeah. from that perspective, we all got, got our focus back on. Yeah. And then we made those two other acquisitions, which were in the copier side of things. And we really started growing at that point. Yeah, that's exciting. I think for a lot of people, um, we try to do a lot of different things, right? And um, there's a, and I'm guilty of it as well, um, thinking that you can have a capacity to do lots of different things. Mm-hmm. And and there's there's different levels of capacity that people have, but when you can dial in, you know, I've often asked my question myself the question of if you only had one to 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 worry about, one thing, one business, one whatever. Um, how much, how much greater or how much more focused, how much better could it be? So that's a super, super good. Uh, I think that just hearing again, there's the, the, the battle wounds of uh, going through that information um, is, is really, really incredible. Um, I want to know, I'm gonna go over just my speed round here. I ask you some questions kind of coming at a little different angle. Um, the first question is about metrics, <clears throat> obviously probably a lot of KPIs in your business, but I want to know if you could only pick one KPI to, to pick your most important one. What is it? Mm, loaded question again, but mm-hmm. I'll give I'll give you the give you the answer. You're, you know the the one answer uh, would probably be the cash flow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I mentioned we're debt free. Uh, at one point in my career and in our career, um, that that wasn't our main focus, and that, and that's fine because to grow in a company, um, it's real tough to focus solely on cash flow because if you're wanting to grow then your cash flow is going to suck yep so we've we've matured and we've grown and we're at a good level now and 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 so we can make all the profit we want we can um, hire another 50 employees and, and grow exponentially right now but our focus isn't there it's on taking care of the people we've got and the cash flow that we have yeah yeah it's good Especially when would you things like COVID hit you? Oh yeah, exactly. You didn't even think twice about it. Well, I mean, I'm sure you did, but generally, you got this foundation of uh, not. There's not as much worry there, where I'm sure a lot of people, uh, even myself, I, I was, you know, researching ways of like, okay, what what <laughs> what happens if if stuff hits the fan for real? Um, so we we uh, you eliminate that when uh, when you take care of those uh, those. Um, I guess maybe just external factors, debt or, or uh, overload of employees or whatever those things are that cost us in order to grow, like you were talking about. Some things um, eventually weigh themselves out over the course of time, just like you said, you've even paid off the building and such. It's like some, some of those things, for the entrepreneur listening today who's, who's getting after it, some of those things, it's just time. Like you just need time. You just need to keep, you just need to keep pressing in over the course of time. Um, and some of it, though, is just, is just bad money management. Some people just don't know how to manage cash flow, um, so I think there's a little bit of both there that you've given. Uh, Jerry, what book would you recommend for a business owner trying to grow their business? Uh, that book would be Traction by yeah, Gina yeah. Wickman. Have you ever heard of that or him? Oh yeah, great book. Um, and it gets back to what you just said. I mean, it's um, you know to to measure something by way of a KPI or or metric, um, you've got to have a foundation in place, and that book that program did it for us. Yeah. We have weekly meetings and they're very structured and we've got a scorecard and it's got 10, 15 metrics on it. And we, yeah. we live and die by them. And I, and I can recite what all those metrics are in my head just because we look at them every week over and over yep. and cash flows one of them. Exactly. Exactly. Love it. Okay. Um, what do you think about intentionally networking and or masterminding with other entrepreneurs? Um, you know, one of the things that caught my attention about you and about this podcast and this program is, uh, you rub elbows with professionals, whether it's in your industry or not, and good things are come from that, that, that traction program that I just mentioned that we, that we use, uh, we belong to a network of 40 other copier technology dealers across the country. Yeah. We meet three times a year, year, and we rub elbows with each other. And yeah. And we have what's called a lightning round and, and that, that hour of conversation, we, we talk about and ask questions about, okay, what's, what's going on out there? What can we do better? What can we, you know, what are we doing that's bad? Yeah. And uh, that traction program came up in that lightning round. 
so change change the game uh, for you not to mention um we all need we all need to know that we are in a good place and we're doing the right thing and and when we and when we meet with other professionals routinely yeah. and and witness what they are doing and how they're doing it and the confidence that they they give you yeah uh, it keeps you going it really does yeah you know, my dad when he did this company he did it on his own he paid for that by way of his health and mentally yeah uh and then it probably didn't help having nine children running all over <laughs> the place in trouble but but right. when you've got when you've got company um the peer group yeah mentality is, is a strong one there, there aren't enough of them out here yeah, the impact of what you just said, it's so funny. I've heard it said a couple of different ways, even inside of our own uh, peer group. But it's like, sometimes I just needed to hear the other guy describing the same problem or the same win, like you said, even just an encouragement of like seeing them do it right or the passion that they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And you walk away, not necessarily with a solution, although traction EOS, that's a solution. You could walk away with a nugget like that. But sometimes you walk away with just going, that guy, I'm inspired, or I now can go do what I need to do because I know he's doing or she's doing what she needs to do. And just just the fact that you know that they're crushing it or going after it with the same passion and um, excitement that you are, it, it like you said, it just allows you to keep going, which is, I mean, almost like kind of half the battle. Just, just keep going. Persistence. Just keep at it. You know what I mean? Yep. And and one other, one other piece to that real quick is um, – the five F's. Um, Drop them on. I was I was in a group back when I was in my twenties, uh, peer group, and it was called Sale of Cincinnati. And that gentleman um, introduced a speaker who talked about the five F's. Um, and I mentioned to you before we started here that I was with ten friends. We call them the Taylor Mill Billies. I'm from Taylor Mill, Kentucky. And we grew up together and we do, yeah. we do things together. And we went hiking down in big South Fork, Kentucky all weekend. Yeah. That's the friend part of the five F's. Okay. Um, and then you've got, you've got your faith and your family, of course. Yeah. And your finances. You got to keep all that stuff in check. Yeah. And last but not least um, the fitness part. Yeah. So gets back to, um, gets back to, uh, you know, feature set from what you get from knowing other people and what they bring in your life. And that five S was invaluable back then. And I've followed that faithfully since then. You've got to have that balance of those like spokes on a wheel. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you've got guys around you that are focused on it as well. Um, You know, because inevitably um, you fall short, right. In one of those areas or multiple. And um, you know, when you know that there's another guy, uh, for for me it's up early like I, I get up early and i work out I'm talking about fitness like you just went on a hike and i just don't like getting up early let's just be i mean <laughs> it just is what it is but i'll tell you what i do it i do it and i choose to do it um so that i can get my workout in because if i don't i know it's not going to happen because i'm so busy um so it's it's helpful for me though when i know that there's about the same hour of the day you know that five six a.m time frame across the country there's other guys that i know that i'm running hard with and they're working out too um, even though I don't, I don't, maybe I don't text them. Maybe we don't call, but I know that they know that I know <laughs> that we're lifting weights together, but we're in two different parts of the country. So there there's, there's major power in what you're talking about. Um, I got one last question here for you, Jerry. I want to know if you could whisper in the younger Jerry's ear, what would you say? Hmm. You didn't prepare me for that one on purpose, my friend. <laughs> I would uh, whisper in his ear and say, you're young. Uh, you got your entire life in front of you. You're going to be, you're going to be special. Uh, treat every day as if it were your last. And uh, for goodness sakes, um, when you look at this day being your last, make sure you've done everything you want to do and, and that you did it right. Yeah. Good sage wisdom right there coming from, uh, from decades and decades of uh, not only experience, but, but journey, um, the up and the down. So I just so appreciate uh, everything that you've been 
sharing and that you have shared. Um, how can the listener find you? Whether whether they need um, printer uh, or or cloud solutions, or if they're just an entrepreneur and they want to pick your brain, please uh, tell us how we can find you. Same way that I find people today, clients, friends, acquaintances, um, LinkedIn. Okay. We'll put the link in the, uh, in the show notes for you as well. Address. Yeah. That's found on our website. We've got, um, we've got profiles of each one of us employees on our website. You know, wallsbusiness.com. It's real easy. Yeah. And if you awesome. can figure out how to spell my last name, just go on LinkedIn and, uh, <laughs> Find me that way, Jerry. There Jean. you go, Jerry Jean. Yeah, we'll put there the link. Two uh, but there, the oh, really? Are, there's two of you, huh? Yeah, we befriended each other on LinkedIn. That's funny. Well, yeah, he's nothing day. like you, I'm sure. What's that? I said he's nothing like you, I'm sure. I I swear, I think we're almost identical twins. It's scary. Really? Yeah. That would be look, odd. He didn't look a ton like me, but but just knowing his age is the same as mine and, and he's got yeah. the same type of stature as far as what he does for a career. Interesting. Um, yeah. Huh. Scary. Yeah. A little bit scary. Well, we'll put all that in the show notes for the listener. Um, Jerry, you've been incredible. Thank you for sharing. Thanks for giving us the wisdom of, of your, of your journey. Uh, we wish you nothing but blessing uh, to your family, to your business in 2023. Thank you so much for being here. Yes. Very impressed with you. And I appreciate the opportunity. It's been a privilege. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.